Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Father, we thank you for Scott. We pray that you would speak through him. God, we know that your Holy Spirit is our teacher. And I pray, God, that you would give Scott the clarity of the words to say as we open your word. I also pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to set upon you. Ultimately, God, we gather today not to just listen to to, to Scott speak or not to just gather and sing. We're, We're gathered here for you. And so unite our hearts and our minds around Christ Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. In whose name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, that didn't work. Uh, A few weeks ago, I started telling people that March the 4th, we were going to have a major ice storm. Uh, I was going to find a way to close those doors on the outside of the church, sneak in and lock them early. Um, whatever I could come up with, late night Saturday parties that you guys could all go to to keep as few people in these pews as possible for when I speak. Then last week, right back there, I shook Mark Walter's hand and I told him, like, just so you know, doors are closed next week, no service. And he just briefly had a look on his face like, what are you talking about? And then he realized what I was trying to do. And then the conversation quickly turned into, we should hand $5 bills out at the door just to get as many people in here as possible. So, if you're here today, Mark, do you want to stand up so you can show them where to get the $5 after (laughs) service? No? All right. Um, uh, Years back, I don't remember how many years back, I got up here to give my testimony, and um, this is a little bit different than that, but then recently I started coming up just to give announcements, to get in front of the church and give announcements on Sunday mornings, and after the first couple I did, I got home and my wife said, you always have to be funny when you get up there. And I'm like, well, it's just announcements. It's not like I'm leading the prayer or I have a sermon. Um, But kind of in the back of my mind, the next time I went up to give announcements, I was like, all right, I'm just going to speed through these things. I I remember Pastor Jeremy telling the congregation to sit down and I was sped through them. It took me like 30 seconds and I sprinted off that stage and it was like, okay, stand right back up. Um, But the reason I tell you that is because Announcements not necessarily, but anything else I do, my goal when I get in front of youth in the community or your youth downstairs um, and you today is that I hope people see two things, and that's God at work in my life. And like Pastor Jeremy said, I'm glad he said it because my love for other people. So that's what I hope you'll see today as I bring you the story of Joseph. Before we dig into Genesis 37, I want to take it to what I might consider a verse, a theme verse of my life and a theme verse of this Um, sermon. So Romans 8 is is where I'm going to go, and it's hard to pull one verse out of Romans 8. It's so good, but that's what I'm going to do to start. Romans 8, 28, we read that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Uh, We'll come back to that at the end, Um, but I want you to keep in mind as we go through this, uh, I want you to take note of all the highs and the lows that Joseph goes through. Uh, One thing I want to warn you about too, Joseph covers a lot of of chapters in the Bible. We're going to skim through some. There are going to be stories we skim through pretty quickly, but 
I think you'll see the end goal and the end challenge is there when we get there. Um, so let's pick up in Genesis 37. And verses 1 through seven, 17 pick up with Joseph at, at the age of 17 years old. Joseph is watering the flock with his brothers. Uh, we find out that he is the favorite of their father, the favorite son. Uh, you've probably heard of the coat of many colors, but a coat that was given to him to signify he was the favorite. Um, and in verses 4, 5, 8, and 11 of Genesis 37, those four verses mention either his brother's hatred towards Joseph or their jealousy towards Joseph. And it also covers two dreams that Joseph had signifying that eventually his brothers and his family would bow down to him, which obviously fueled their hatred even more. So remember, I said I want to focus on the highs and the lows of Joseph. So as we get to verses in eight, 18 and 19, that just set the table for this first low that Joseph is going to experience. So I want to read verses 18 and 19. Of chapter 37. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, and say that a ferocious animal ate, devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And the rest of chapter 37 goes on to tell us that how Joseph's life is spared because they sell him to a group of Ishmaelites who are passing by. But they still made it look like he was killed by a ferocious animal for when they reported back to their father. Um, and then as we skip chapter 38 and get into chapter 39, we see how the chapter picks up with Joseph being bought by Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. So Joseph is sold into slavery, a low, a low point in Joseph's life. Um, as we jump into chapter 39, like I said, he's been bought by Pharaoh's official Potiphar. And I want to jump into verses 2 through 6. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the, world, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potter, Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern him with anything except the food he ate. So Joseph went from that low of being sold into slavery to being put in charge of all of Potiphar's household to the point where the Lord blessed him so much that Potiphar didn't have to concern himself with anything while Joseph was in control. And then we skip to verse 6, and we, or the end of verse 6, where it talks about Potiphar's wife notices that Joseph is a handsome man and she tries to seduce him. Uh, I want to pause the story right here and just read to you Joseph's reaction in verse 9. To Potiphar's wife trying to seduce him. In verse 9, he, Joseph says, No one in this house is greater than I am. My master is withhold nothing from me except for you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? I love that part. And like I said, we'll pause just for a second, because I love that part. Throughout the story of Joseph, you'll see we're told over and over and over again that God is with Joseph. And here, while it doesn't say it, I think we can draw a pretty firm conclusion, and along with other statements coming up, that this is not a one-sided relationship. 
God is with Joseph, but Joseph also is maintaining that relationship with God, and we'll see it come through in his life. And this is one of those times where he says, how could I do such a thing, wicked thing and sin against God? Then we'll skip down to chapter 39, verses 11 through 20, where Potiphar's wife, she doesn't give up. She's trying to seduce Joseph, and she's not going to give up on that. Uh, verses 20 through 23. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So backing up a little, Potiphar's wife was not going to let this go. And she set Joseph up and framed him and falsely accused him of seducing her. Uh, when Potiphar heard that, he took Joseph and had him thrown into prison. So again, we come to a low in Joseph's life. Then we get to chapter 40, and we hear about Pharaoh's cupbearer and his baker being thrown into the same prison where Joseph is kept. Uh, while they're in prison, both men, the cupbearer and the baker, have a dream on the same night. And Joseph goes to interpret that dream, and again, Joseph says, do not all interpretations belong to God. Another statement that Joseph is in a relationship with God. So Joseph gives the interpretations, of course, the cupbearer. Uh, he says, three days later, your dream means that th three days from now, you will be restored as cupbearer to Pharaoh. And then the baker, he interprets his dream and says, three days later, you will be hung by Pharaoh. Uh, Joseph asked the cupbearer when he got out to remember him when it came to Pharaoh and told him he didn't belong in prison and asked him to remember him. Uh, so those dreams are fulfilled. The cupbearer is restored to his place. Uh, the baker is hung, but the cupbearer does not remember Joseph. And Joseph, we pick up in chapter 41, after two more years, two more full years of being in prison, uh, God gives Pharaoh two dreams. Uh, we're not going to go in detail into those dreams, but none of Pharaoh's advisors, magicians, could interpret the dreams. So guess who remembers Joseph at that time? Pharaoh, Pharaoh's cupbearer remembers Joseph being in prison, interpreting his dreams, and he tells Pharaoh about it. So as we pick up in verse 15 and 16 of chapter 41, I want you to see that Joseph introduces Pharaoh to the giver of dreams. He introduces him to God. He doesn't take credit for it, but he says again that God inter interprets dreams. So 15 and 16, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph said, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And what I love, if, if we go through verse 25, Joseph, said, Joseph says, God has revealed to Pharaoh. Ver, verse 28 says, God has shown Pharaoh. Verse 4 says, firm, sorry, verse 32 says, this has firmly been decided by God. Joseph is constantly bringing God into the interpretation of the dreams. Um, and then in verse 5, I love how Pharaoh says, since God has made this known to you, this is the second time an Egyptian official has seen that there is something different about Joseph. Pharaoh may believe in gods, but he doesn't believe in the one true God that Joseph believes in. But he sees something different about Joseph, and that is God in his life. Uh, so we come to the next high for Joseph, and found in chapter 41, verses 41 through 44. 
It says, So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took a signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. And then verses 47 through 56, Joseph has given the interpretation for the dreams. Uh, Verses 47 through 56 talk about those dreams, um, the interpretation, and those years coming true. It's seven years of plenty in the land of Egypt, followed by seven years of famine, to which Joseph is put in charge, and he sets them up for those years of famine by storing up food and grain in those seven years of plenty. Um, This is another time when I believe that it shows that Joseph, not only was God with Joseph, but Joseph had that relationship with God, is in verses 51 and 52 of chapter 41 still. And that's when Joseph is given a wife, he has two sons, and he names the first one Manasseh. Um, And Manasseh means, God has made me forget all my troubles and all my father's household. So again, he's given the credit just with the naming of his first child. And his second son, Ephraim, uh, verse 52, means God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So again, just two phrases that I think show us that Joseph is in relationship with God. Uh, we, chapters 42 through 44 cover a lot of ground, but it's uh, Joseph's brothers. Famine hits the land of Canaan, and his brothers end up coming down to Egypt to get grain from from Egypt, but ultimately from Joseph, who has to make that decision. And they don't recognize Joseph. And chapters 42 through 44 are full of trips back and forth from Canaan to Egypt, and Joseph is sending them back, back and forth from one re- for one reason or another. And then we come to chapter 45, when Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. And I want to read chapter 45, verses 4 through 9. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will, there will be no plowing and no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant of, on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. You can do a whole lesson on that, but we're going to skip ahead to chapter 50 and verse 15, all the way forward to when Joseph's father dies. He's now in the land of Egypt, but his father dies, and now his brothers are back to worrying about payback. And what's Joseph going to do to us to pay us back for years ago when we sold him into slavery? But we see in chapter 50, verses 19 and 20, Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended harm to me, but God intended it for a good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Uh, As we close, I took a few things from this. Debating on what to close with, um, there are so many things you can take from the story of Joseph. Uh, but I have to stay true to my favorites and hope that God can work through me and challenge you at the same time. First, I want you to take note that people are watching you in your life. If God is with you, they notice something different in your life. I love how both Potiphar and Pharaoh 
when Joseph was in times of lows, see something different in Joseph. They may not personally know the one true God that Joseph worships, but they see something different in Joseph because of the one true God that he worships. When God is living through you, people take notice. Uh, the second thing I want to challenge you with is back to Romans 8.28. Uh, let's read that real quick again. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Uh, I want you to know that that is not saying, and I, doing some research for this, um, I did listen to a couple sermons, and one of them, the gentleman was preaching that if you don't have success here in life, it's because you're being held back by something. You're holding on to something with a boss or somebody in your life. But this verse is not saying that you will have success in a worldly view. It's not guaranteeing you'll have everything you want um, when it comes to this life. But it is talking about the, the good will of God in your life. Um, so, all things work together for good for those who love him. If you trust that God is with you in the highs and the lows, God will work for his ultimate good through you. Um, the last thing I want to leave you with is what are your lows in life? Uh, we probably won't experience highs to the degree that Joseph did, and we probably won't experience lows to the, degree, to the degree that Joseph did, but our lows are still lows, and they feel really, really low. So what are your lows? If I'm talking to youth, I'd ask, is it um, getting cut from the sports team? Is it a breakup? Um, I don't know what it is in your life, but what's your lows? What, what is your low? As adults, is it something like the loss of a job? Is it the loss of a family member or a friend? Um, is it not enough to pay the bills? Is it you're going through a divorce at the time? What are your lows in life? Those lows feel really, really low. Um, but the one thing I want you to remember is God was with Joseph and God is with you and you can always trust him. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you uh, just for what the story of Joseph has meant in my life. I thank you for the promise that you work all things together for good. Um, I, I know what that means. Uh, in the will of the Father, you work all things together for good. And I want to trust you in those highs and lows. I pray that um, we all will go into our lives and other people will first see you in our lives. They'll see something different about us because we're, we're just different because we worship the God of the universe, the creator, and we have a relationship with him. Um, I pray that you'll help us to just be bold as we go out and let people see you in us. And then I pray that you help us to trust you through the lows of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616 772 4377.